This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Real Estate Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, I'm Isabel from Bakeo, and what I love about real estate is understanding the market, what motivates people when they're making buying decisions, and the way that it affects how people travel and live. Hi, I'm Truth Oladapo, CEO of Bakeo, and what I like about real estate is the fact that it's a very basic need for people, and it affects a lot of people, as well as the fact that it's a standard and, and safe asset that you could use in a very unique way. On top of that, I like that it's not an innovative in, in terms of the natural form. And I'm, you know, really into technology. So it gives me the other spectrum of, uh, you know, the world and having two different parts, one that's moving very fast and one that's moving very slow. Have you ever been annoyed by paying high broker fees to rent out your apartment? Or have you ever been frustrated assembling IKEA furniture to fill out your short-term rental? Coming up, you'll hear from a company that's solving this for you. They guarantee you a higher rent and peace of mind. Plus, they turn your empty apartment into an Airbnb super host-ready space in as little as 72 hours. From New York City, you're listening to Real Estate Is Your Business, powered by Preview, a smart online real estate brokerage providing expert advice without the high fees. With Thomas Kutzman and Scott Pollock. Isabel and True, thanks for, for joining us today. I'm curious... Could you tell us a little bit about what Vakeo does? Yeah, so Vakeo, what we really do is help people earn passive income. And it's the core of our mission to make it easy for people to have upward mobility using real estate. And one of the best ways to do that is through short-term rental. So that's where we're starting. And we have a real estate tech platform and service that helps landlord Airbnb their home. Um, so it's an sense. interesting point you make because like real estate is one of these categories that a lot of people feel like is a pathway towards passive income and upper mobility, but it's really intimidating. Um, it's really expensive to get started with. It's kind of scary from an outside perspective to figure out like, what am I supposed to do first? So do you see yourselves as kind of making that easier and, and more possible for a broader audience? Yeah. So, um, you know, what we've found is that there's a lot of landlords that pool money together with family members in the hopes of, you know, having this passive income. And it doesn't always turn out as planned. Properties sit on the market for an average of 45 days on Zillow, and it could be much longer depending on, you know, the seasonality. So we are basically eliminating or absorbing the risk for the landlord and making it possible for them to monetize their asset right away. So you guarantee them a set rental value or, or rent, and you also service and manage that rental for them. Yes. So we lease, furnish, and manage the rental so that the landlord just gets a check at the end of the month. So the way we see it is if into in our world or the world that we imagine, if you want to get passive income through real estate, you just go to one source, Vakeo, and say, hey, I have this real estate property or I'm planning to buy this real estate property where we're going to move into next. 
how much would I get every month? And here's my bank account. Just every month I want it in there and just kind of get an update on that, the fact that the money is in. So it's just, a, you know, very similar to, um, you know, what you would see in, in, a, in a financial market. Um, and that's how we imagine real estate playing a role. The other thing is that within, in my view, being a landlord isn't a desired thing. It was something that happened out of just need and the, the lack of technology. So we are in a way eliminating the need to be a landlord because what people really wanted was the passive income and they just happened to be a landlord because there's just no other way to do it. Right, and a lot of people have the, sometimes can save up to buy the property but don't have the you know, knowledge to actually go out and manage it. You know, yes. so property management's been around for a while and mm-hmm. you guys are doing, seems like you're trying to do something a little bit different in that front. Maybe help us understand how what is doing is different than just hiring a property manager, giving them their 10% and then kind of going on with your life. So I can, Vicao essentially becomes the tenant. So we're the tenant and the manager, which is very different from a traditional property manager where they don't guarantee that a certain amount of income will be coming in, but they will take a percentage. So just like brokers that don't guarantee their work, um, managers are there to handle handle issues and make it easier for a landlord and less time consuming. But in terms of the income part, um, that's the part that we, you know, where we come into play is we're really... Um, making it possible for them to earn higher passive income, not just passive income. So when you think of what she's saying, uh, management company, in our view, is a Band-Aid, right, to the problem. Mm -hmm. For us, we're the solution. We're actually solving the problem because we're saying all of this shouldn't be a way, not just, oh, I'll just come in and take in this part because I know you're a busy landlord and I'll get, you know, take out of this money from, from from your income to get it done. For us, we're also coming in and saying, you know what, we can actually get it done without taking any of your income the way it should be. So it's very similar to like an asset light model where if you look at co-working or co-living spaces, um, which have you know, grown in prominence, where they come in, they take a commercial space and make it add more value by creating that service and experience. Um, but where, where did you come up with this idea? How, where, where did it all come together? It really grew organically. I mean, we started off with one room in our East Village apartment, and then um, our landlord had a spare um, apartment, and it was winter that she was having trouble, you know, renting. So we took it over, and it just we had to furnish it. We became the tenant. So I would say that it kind of just evolved this way, and we didn't realize until we had a bunch of places that this was a legitimate business that we could scale. When especially one landlord came to us and said, "I have seventeen places that you know for you," and I was like, "Wow, I you know there there is a need for this." And if someone, if a landlord in New York City could get desperate, imagine landlords other places, you know, in in more seasonal markets or or tougher markets. So. Um, I wouldn't say the arbitrage model and the way we've thought it out obviously was developed over time, but the, but the business model and the service aspect, it kind of just, it kind of just grew organically. Yeah. Yeah. The the model for us was actually discovered by a landlord. You know, the one that came to us and asked us and say, Hey, you know, take these properties for me and give me 15% above, you know, the long-term market. And we were like, well, we just started managing um, a few um, rooms on Airbnb and we can't guarantee you that much, but we'll give you five because we're making money and we're profitable. And then if we could, you know, get some more data and understand it, we'll move you up. And then over time, we've been able to guarantee landlords about 10% above the traditional market, depending on the home and uh, and the market and how it's priced. But 
landlord in our view or in uh, in our experience now get what's about 25% more than they would because they don't lose the 15% from the broker and then they get about the 10 on the upside from us. So in, in general, they're keeping 25% more than they would. So you guys are uh, guaranteeing an income stream from the property. You're also suggesting that the rate that you're getting is actually higher. So how do, how do you manage that? Because that seems like it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost too good to be true. Yeah, in a way, it is almost too good to be true, but that's, you know, the advantage of technology, right? It reduces the cost. And for us, because we care so much about people being able to move up using real estate, we're not just keeping all of it to ourselves. So we're saying you could actually benefit from some of these advantages in the industry coming with tech. What are some of those advantages specifically that that afford the opportunity to say we're going to command X percent higher than what the market might get, let's say, on Airbnb unto itself or or on the, you know, renting out through a broker or what have you, that gives you the opportunity to to kind of provide that kind of liquidity back and, and risk mitigation back to a landlord. Yeah. So from on the m- most basic level, um, one business, uh, what landlords are used to is a rental business, right? For us, when we take the business, it becomes a hospitality business, right? And there's automatically... Uh, premium when you go from rental to hospitality because people will travel and go into hospitality expect you know a high touch um, product and they want someone there and they're willing to pay a lot for this um, in a short period of time so when you take a uber for instance and you have a bad experience you get upset and then two hours later you're over because it was just a 30 minute ride or 10 minute ride but when you wait all year to take your two-week vacation as most Americans don't even take, and you know, it's not a long vacation. You really want a great experience, and you want to come back feeling yeah. like, you know, what I feel refreshed. I, uh, I enjoyed my time. So if you have a bad experience there, it's really, you know, it affects you for half the year or the entire year. You're thinking, I'm not going back there, and you know, I just lost my whole year's worth of vacation. So they're willing to pay a lot for it, and that's where we get the most basic premium. Another premium is the furnishing. Um, Once the home is furnished, it's also a premium there because someone did the work and a lot of people don't want to deal with that. Um, And we can, we see more ways to unlock the premium from the furnishing in the future. We also cater to group travel. So we have a niche that doesn't compete with hotels. So our guests really um, that are looking for value that are coming six, seven, eight people, whatever it is. And often it's, it's multi-generational um, families that are traveling together. They, you know, Vakeo is their best option. So, you know, we're still able to meet our 50% margins and, um, you know, pass along some of that to the landlord because we're furnishing our spaces for maximum privacy and choosing homes that, you know, fit that model. And you started in New York, you said, but what other markets have you grown into? So our biggest markets are Miami, San Diego, and the Silicon Valley area. And then we're also in Tampa and Philly. So Miami, San Diego, those I get because those are obviously kind of beach-like destinations. <laughs> but but Silicon Valley, now you hear a lot about Palo Alto and Mountain View and those areas as being super expensive and kind of unapproachable. But I'm curious how that plays in from a Vaqueo standpoint and what's been driving that. Yeah, so in terms of Silicon Valley, you know, we did our accelerator at 500 startups, uh-huh. and we've come up with a list of, you know, the top 15 place for our business. And San Jose is somewhere in around the nine 
a number nine. But while we were there, we've only expanded into I think our, it was number four by then. But we were we were in Silicon Valley and we had connections to people with housing, so we said we're just gonna move it up the list and and give it a shot. It's on the business side, but there's a huge need for people um, move relocating for business. The use is a little bit different, so for us, it's a little bit of a pilot into a different vertical of our business, even though the core is vacation. Yeah. Is it is it people like yourselves that were out there for a three-month accelerator and that unto itself can support an entire industry? Or are there other kind of use cases that you're finding, you know, other forms of business travel or otherwise? Definitely a lot of business travel. Um, people, you know, from Apple and Google and the companies paying for it and they want a real, a real house. And Mountain View has a serious scarcity of hotels. I mean, it is really hard to find. I've been there where all our places are sold out and I, I can hardly even find an Airbnb. So I think that it, we needed to be in that ecosystem because they're starved for places to stay, especially affordable places for, for groups. And families are constantly going there, you know, with the executive or what have you to, you know, um, relocate. And then we're lucky that the accelerators are pretty much all year round. So. Yeah. yeah. I think I spent $300 a night for a motel in Sunnyvale once. I was, I was going to say that even we've been in we've two been hotels in, in, hotels in, in, in Silicon people. Valley and you know, we were paying 400 on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And we, in our business, like those are some of the lowest days where you pay little. Um, and the other thing was, you know, we've also used Airbnb there. And, you know, we landed, uh, we were going on a show and we landed uh, to find that our accommodation was canceled. So it's like midnight and, you know, the only place we could go to was an hotel. So we booked an hotel and, and went there. So that also shows a need for you know the other side of our business which is a professional manager even in the airbnb world uh because a lot of people are just doing it on their own and you know it's they could cancel at any time and it's not and a pleasant remember, experience remember they like essentially kicked us out the next day because they were all booked i was like i've never been to a hotel where you have to literally leave yeah, they were like yeah. sorry we're booked i'm like nothing we wanted to this, extend, yeah. yeah we wanted to extend we couldn't extend we had to go to another airbnb and you know, Mountain View is kind of a special place because the landlords pay a lot of them. You know, the housing is astronomical. So they want to be able to make their mortgage and make some money. So we actually do well in very um, expensive markets because the landlords are hungry, you know, to earn more. And we're a really good solution for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is this is all interesting stuff so far. Um, coming up, we'll get a little bit deeper into how you do this, how you're able to service uh, all these great properties for people. Um, but first, as a custom on the show, uh, it's snack time, uh, where we break bread and uh, learn a little bit more about, uh, about you both. Um, uh, what did you bring to share today? We have the very best babka from Bread Bakery. Oh, famous babka from Bread Bakery. Famous babka. So. Thank you. So there, yeah. Is there some is there some backstory on uh, on the babka? Well, I grew up in a you know entirely Jewish community in Long Island, so there's what, definitely a lot of babka. What part of Long Island? Great Neck. Say I said Massapequa. Yeah. Wow, all Long Island in the house. That's it. Right. <laughs> Truth yeah. I grew so up in Florida, but you know I, I went to Colombia, and a lot of my friends are Jewish, so I've had a lot of Jewish treats and You've adopted you know, the babka I've as adopted own. it. I mean I it's celebrate all the Jewish holidays yeah. now and yeah. 
It reminds Wait. me of the Seinfeld episode about the, the, the better Bobka, the greater Bobka. Okay, I'm getting some looks of not recognizing this episode. You all need to we'll go back and watch it. I gotta go watch every episode of Seinfeld of all time. It's, you can start with the one about the Bobka. Yeah, Seinfeld is great. I've watched a lot of it, but I've not watched that one. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll test which is the better Bobka of these two here, and uh, we'll be right back. Are you looking to buy a home in New York City? Get more with Preview's industry-leading Smart Buyer Rebate. Seamlessly search listings on Preview's end-to-end buyer platform, purchase your home with the expert advice of a local agent, plus receive up to 2% cash back thanks to Preview's Smart Buyer Commission Rebate. Smart buyers get more with Preview. Go to previewapp.com backslash buyer. That's previewapp.com backslash buyer. Hey everybody, it's Tom. We enjoy bringing the show to you week after week, but we need your help. One of the best ways for listeners to discover the show are from your reviews. So let's make that happen. Go to iTunes, search Real Estate Is Your Business, and leave us a review. And while you're at it, why not a five-star rating? Uh, earlier, we were talking about how you not only help landlords make more money with their properties, you help them service it, furnish it, etc. And I'm sure in the early days, you were running around showing and helping all these properties yourself. How do you do it now in multiple markets? How do you service those homes? So now we use Superhosts who are hospitality experts with the highest ratings on platforms like Airbnb, and we will profit share with them. So uh, they get assigned the closest property to where they live, and they take on that property as the on the ground manager and handle um, everything from the vetting, the initial vetting before we lease it, to moving in and you know all the um, management after that. And so these are people who ostensibly already know a thing or two about hospitality and property management because they've been doing it for themselves um, as a host or a super host for a while. And so how do you how do you kind of discover them and which ones are going to be the ones that are the right fits for, for KO and your, your properties? So right now they can go onto our website and sign up and we will, you know, review their application. And most of it is based on their reviews and, you know, their Almost, you know, they're all really passionate about what they do. It's not easy to be a super host. You have to maintain eighty um, five star reviews eighty percent of the time and never cancel on a guest. Mm-hmm. So already, Airbnb has pre vetted them for us. So we're kind of hacking that system, yeah. and which Airbnb doesn't have an issue with because we're adding more supply to their market. So um, and making the experience overall better for Airbnb guests. So um, the. The fit isn't isn't a, a tremendous issue. Uh, we will have you know a phone conversation with them now at some point down the road. Um, you know maybe we'll have a more superior system where we don't have to you know speak to them and but we um, we do check them out like you know they provide their ID and you know we do a light background check and right now uh, some of them are coming in just you know word of mouth from other super hosts that you know have friends in the neighborhood um, but we can also reach out to them directly. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, how the, we got to Superhost. Um, you know, for me, I've helped with, you know, when I was 15, helped with house flipping. So 
I've always been interested in real estate. And even younger than that, at six, when I was in Nigeria, you know, my dad, it took him forever to build his home. So it was just every year would go and there would be like three more, you know, bricks that we had to the home. So it was just kind of like an experience that stayed with me. I was like, there's got to be a better way than this. Uh, but I learned a lot um, about different industry, different um, trades when I was a little kid because it's just how things were done in Nigeria. So when we started, there were everything that we had to do, you know, from, you know, trying to hire cleaners and some days they don't show up. So I have to go clean toilets and get the home ready. And in New York, um, you know, getting people through the front door, we decided to automate the apartment door, but we still had to get through the front door. So, you know, I had experience, you know, watching electricians and TV repair guys, so I knew some electronics. So I would hack the front door and then mm-hmm. use a sensor to um, talk the analog buzzer, and we could buzz them in from a phone. So, you know, just go to the basement and hook that in or go into the apartment and just um, hack into the buzzer. So I used that to, you know, improve the system a little bit. Just different things like that, you know, made the business somewhat unique to start from the ground and really see what's going on and talk to, you know, the landlord, talk to the users. That really kind of gave us a bit of an edge. But at some point we had to, you know, scale it and, and, and scale the cleaning side of it. And we were looking for different ways to improve that and started going to conferences. And we ran into a super host who was trying to do the reverse of what we were doing. We had back then we had I think about uh, five homes, a handful of homes, and they were like, "Wow, how did you get to your second home and your third home?" Like, I want to improve my bu- increase my business and do the same thing. And we we're like, "Well, you know, that part's not difficult for us. Why don't we get you homes and you just focus on the cleaning part because that seems like what you wanted?" And it's like, "Yeah." And so we tried it out, gave them a home to manage, and it worked out well. You know, they were consistent, they were passionate. Um, there were very little um, miscleanings um, and all the turn we would usually have you know a new cleaner every other week and for months you know we don't have to um, worry about the turnover so that just became the way we saw it was easy to um, expand the business and became the focus so you went from from hacking into the wiring of buildings <laughs> to a chance meeting with the superos at a conference and that's kind of led to the growth of the business yes yes it's it was very you know when we look at a business now you know everyone says you know it's um it it, is competitive they're they're you know different people that can do it and i'm looking at like i actually think it's very different you need a particular skill set and experience to be able to um you know see the business how, how we saw the business and have both the you know analytic and intellectual part you know I, I can you know program a little bit and you know I went through um, Columbia and you know did physics and economics but at the same time I'm also very handy and you know we both you know would get down and get things done um, on the on the um, physical and labor side so just being able to be really into the weeds let us see the business from a totally different angle and and kind of like tapped into our passion to kind of just both ourselves just trying to rise from a social standpoint and seeing that as the angle we want to take where other people that come in, they've gone to, you know, good college and their programmers or uh, their business people, and they just look at it from the top down, not really understanding the difficulty and the challenges um, there. And they want to focus on, you know, buildings that, you know, give them the vertical um, economics of scales 
while we're looking at the um, horizontal, no, yeah, we're looking at the horizontal economics of scale and just like really using technology to bring that in somewhat like, you know, an Amazon that has, you know, control of the prime as well as having people running around. So for us, we have superos running around and we have the control uh, full control of the system. Now, before you even get to the super host managing the property, you know, the landlord, they have an offer, they like your price, they accept unfurnished place. How do you go about filling that? How long does that process take? So the furnishing process takes 48 hours with us. We've gotten it down to a science and being partnered with Ikea and Wayfair, they'll, you know, do next day delivery for us. And we have our, um, our pre-populated lists you know, so we just look at the home, we look at what it can fit, and we can quickly send them over to that. And they will, you know, they make sure that they either get the exact item or the closest item for us. So that's been really helpful. But the entire process from when we um, lease the property to when it's completely ready for the first guest is 72 hours. So it's really quick. And right now, you know, we let's say the leasing part is around 12 hours, and we would like to get it down to five or two, you know, once we scale, that's, that's definitely possible. Just like Uber has, you know, a driver there the next minute, you know, and we could potentially have, um, you know, we could move as fast as the landlord's willing to move. So it, it could take somebody 24 hours to put together a lack bookshelf from Ikea, but you guys are getting it assembled and ready to go. Yeah. So what is this partnership that you described with, with Wayfair and Ikea and how did that come about and get to the point when it is where it is now? So we started out, you know, originally very organic, like everything we did, um, doing it ourselves. I'm going on Craigslist, looking at the free section and then mixing that up with the for sale section. And, you to know, buy furniture. To buy furniture. Yeah. And I would, you know, get a U-Haul truck, <laughs> yep. hire someone, pay them 20 bucks and move all the proper, uh, the furniture with them. So it was, and I've moved an entire apartment by myself when yeah. I couldn't find anyone. And it was just like a whole day of just like, we got to get this done. Hopefully it was uh, a house and not an apartment. Like uh, it it was an apartment. apartment. I carried a couch up of two floors and I actually recorded <laughs> it because it took me like two hours to like drag it like step by step, <laughs> you know, and I couldn't oh find God. anyone. I was like, I got to get this thing done. But, you know, we, we we then decided that we need to simplify it, and we started looking for ways to do that, and we looked at IKEA and how we could um, match um, the, that process and, and use a, a mixture. Initially, it was a mixture of Craigslist and IKEA, uh, and we even looked at apartment deco when they came in there, but they didn't have a lot of inventory back then. And we found that, you know, the, re, the higher end of the IKEA were easy to assemble, um, and they have, you know, people who can assemble it. Um, this was even before TaskRabbit. So we would manually sometimes get TaskRabbit or get, you know, people who assemble IKEA very quickly um, and kind of bring the two together. So actually, when I saw the TaskRabbit um, acquisition, I was like, that made sense. We've been doing that. We've been kind of like manually TaskRabbit and, and IKEA. But what we then do with them is once we've identified this, uh, this situation, uh, these furnitures that we're using, um, we just repeat the process. And when they walk, when they step into the home and start um, assembly, it takes them about four hours to really put everything together. But we're talking about people who have done this and they do multiple they homes every day. Home in four yeah. Hours. Yeah. yeah. But how did you end up breaching the partnership? Did they say, hey, you, you're, you're buying so much from us. Why don't we make this a bigger conversation? Or did you approach them like, like, I'm, I'm just always curious and, and, and Scott's probably more, more in tune on this, but. 
like how small companies interact with big companies in, in creating partnerships. Yeah, so it is um, from them in, in most of the case. In Ikea's case, we went to them in Wayfair and other stores um, that we don't necessarily talk about, like Marshalls and mm-hmm. um, different stores for different um, little pieces. You know, we're there and we're like, okay, you know, we want 2,000 towels. And it's like we take all the towels off their rack and the manager's like, well, next time you're coming, you know, you can tell me and I will set this thing up for you. And, you know, sometimes we're like, well, we need more. And they're like, we don't have any more. So some of the partnership came from that way. They just see our volume mm-hmm. when we were buying. And, you know, it's like, okay, we'll get you this dedicated person. With Wayfair, was, it was it's the same thing where we were just buying a lot of um, furniture from them. And next thing you know, we got an email that says, hey, you know, I'm your new dedicated um, business manager and we would give you, you know, 20% discount. Um, and that's kind of how it's it started. So, Tom, that's the secret right there. Just buy out the inventory of any company you want to partner with and they'll, they'll, they'll be happy to they'll, work with you. They'll find you that way. Right. It's the secret to partnership success. Yeah. Right. Well, they yeah. don't want to lose you. So yeah. Wayfair was always calling to make sure that we weren't going to Ikea, you know, yeah. but Ikea had better delivery for us. So we ended up focusing more on Ikea, though we still we work with Wayfair also. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's the pocket, you know, it's like, we 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 get a few homes and we like we furnish it and we spend you know fifty and hundreds of thousands and you know the, the st- and then maybe we we'll go a two week period where we're not in the store it's like hold on I liked what happened you know I like what happened that time what you know what are you doing how's your business going and how can I help that also happened very similarly to when we first um, got approached by the landlord who was offering us you know seventeen homes and. You know, when we started adding those home back then, we were not using digital locks. And we would go to the key uh, hardware store to make kids. And we kept going back and was like, hold on, what business are you doing? And you just seem to keep coming back here. And then we explained the business to him and we explained the new model back then that we gave landlords 5% more. And it was like, well, I'm, I own this building and I'd like to use your service. So it's always been that way for us. At Time Warner, it's the same thing. You know, we ended up getting an angel investor from there where it was like, you know, we just kept coming in and it's like, hold on, what are you doing? You're managing property, something related to that. And we just explained that, yeah, we're growing our business and we're, you know, adding internet and cable to the homes. And, and you could probably get a pretty good deal from uh, on the cable services as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're you know, we've had talks with um, Comcast Ventures and um, different uh, people that we're trying to get a, a package going there. But it, it is always that way. Very organic for us. But we're starting to get to this scale where, you know, we're starting to look now into who we can um, talk to and uh, create these partnerships. We use a lot of um, smart devices in our homes, and there are a lot of players out there who would love to, you know, get more people using smart devices. Amazon is one of them where, you know, they're talking to us about, you know, their Alexa product. They're also talking about, you know, like being able to deliver into the homes. Mm -hmm. So we use them to furnish our homes. We use Prime and Prime Now. So we're already use, getting some of the free installation that they um, offer. And, you know, for them, if we give that, give them all our homes, that would be, you know, 80-something homes, um, 90-something homes now that they can just deliver right into. And to them, it makes their number look good in, in terms of, you know, getting more homes to allow access in, even though ours is a little right. bit more. And, then, and they just bought Ring for the doorbell. So, right. yeah, they're, they're really going into the ball. Ring the ball, I think, ALO. We've been using um, Ring all those. 
Makes sense. So the story that you guys have been telling of, you know, the early hustle and now you've got these big partnerships and you've expanded so much, that's a that's like a common entrepreneurial story. It's a very inspiring one. I'm curious, like, was there an inflection point at some point in the life of the business when things really started to explode to the point when now you've got, you know, 90 plus places, you've got all these bigger deals and you've got your processes down pat. Was there a point in time that you can speak to that was like, that's when everything changed? Yeah, I mean, I think that once we, you know, developed our rental quoting tool, that really was a game changer. Um, it was kind of, I call it the magical moment for landlords when they come online and they see that they could pretty much instantly be making earning more for their home and cut out of the brokers if they want to. So that, um, I think, has really sped up our process, you know, not needing to mull over every single offer. We have an algorithm that we are adding machine learning to, which is really going to take it to the next level. So I would say that was a pivotal moment. Um, also expanding to Miami, which has been an unbelievable market for us. I mean, just the proliferation of, you know, um, international absentee landlords, you know, you really feel like in markets like that, that, you know, your service is so valuable. So I would say those two things were were kind of um turning points yeah those are definitely sped everything up the bigger one uh, yeah. and the smaller one before that we mentioned earlier was you know discovering the super host uh, mm -hmm. model mm -hmm. and you know that really changed the game from us for us and took us a little bit from having to get down in the weed mm -hmm. um you know out of necessity and now we still do it to just be close and understand our users and understand the market but the last two in the uh, place that we expand to, we actually did it fully remote, and we didn't go down there. We gave the superos the playbook, and you know they executed very well. So it allowed us to know that when we're ready to roll out, um, we could just you know expand very quickly. And and how do you go about selecting those markets you move into? So we do a lot of research into the top um, vacation rental markets. Um, this was before Airbnb even started publishing. Um, the annual places that you're making on Airbnb. I think they started two years ago. Um, but we would look at those markets, number of uh, people visiting, you know, where they're staying, people staying in hotel, focus right um, research. We just piece out all the uh, these research and then rank the industry based on profitability. And we're literally just going down the list. So with like San Diego being number one and Arizona being like the number 15, um, and we're just one by one going into different places. So right now we're focused on saturating our top three markets. And what we're doing a little bit different than our original thinking is we're now starting to get landlords and build list of landlords um, on our platform, even in places where we're not um, currently um, operating. And once we have a number that we're happy, we're usually at least 100, um, and we might go with a little bit more in different markets. We would then say send a message out and say, hey, we're entering your markets. Obviously, there's a timing issue, but if we can then get 20% of them to say, hey, yes, I would love to use your service at this time, we just activate that market. So it's a little bit more planned now with being able to just activate different markets um, in an intelligent so, you know, speaking of growth and expansion, we were talking a little bit before the show started about how you guys have been around for about six years, but only the past year and a half have you really focused on the kind of technology component of it. So what does that look like for you? And where do you see the technology component of your business going? And, and what does that 
do for for Vikeo? Yeah, so if you think of the technology, we have the coefficients of like uh, Uber. Um, I know you made that reference earlier. And we essentially are creating something that allows you to just push a button or enter an address in our case and your home is rented. So from an idea perspective, and we have some of this in place already, we've launched two products in the industry that are unique to the industry. And the one first being our pricing tool, and the second being our super host matching tool. Um, and then, you know, coming up and we're about to launch is the furnishing and creating API to work with furniture companies so that that's automated as well. So when you think of it, we want your home to be able to go from empty to, you know, rented, where you're removed out of the picture as a landlord in less than an hour. So you put in your address immediately. A super host is the closest super host is contacted on their mobile phone. They come, they show up to your door, and they look around the home. Once the home is qualified and it fits, they would, you know, push a button on their app and let us know that it works. Our system um, gives. They already get the quote. We sign them the um, the lease uh, electronically. They sign the lease. The super host takes the key, and you know, we we take it from there. So from a landlord's perspective, once you put in that address, within a short period of time, someone you're talking to someone, your home is rented. And that's where we see the technology going, is just really simplifying it. And then on our end, we're getting, we're, the machine learning is helping us build this scoring system that tells us that we can actually meet the 30% margin that we target every time we take a new home. So with the scoring system as well, we're gathering a ton of data on, you know, what we call the true value of the home. So that's going to help, you know, that's very, you know, valuable information that could help uh, people's, you know, buying decisions, renting decisions, um, you know, decisions on, you know, we're also gathering data on usage of the home to actually show that, you know, for the most part, vacation rentals are used much lighter than um, long-term um, homes. Uh, that's because people are out to explore. They're not sitting there cooking all day, you know, really using it in the same way. So there's just a lot of usage um, data that we're gathering as well. Yeah, that, the data is, is a critical part for us, uh, you know, the big data that, that we're gathering. And, you know, like Isabel said, once we have this, you know, we, we're already displacing a lot of myth that um, landlords have, which one is like vacation renters more wear and tear. It's actually the opposite because, you know, it might be wear and tear 30 years ago when you go to a place and you do some things, but you're relaxing and just in the house a lot and cooking and different things. But now there is, you know, New York is not the biggest, I mean, it is the biggest place for attraction, but you have so many other places that now have their own attraction and more cities want to be the um, tourism center. So they're building attractions. So when people go on vacation today, it's like you come back a little bit more tired than you were before you go there because there's so much to see. And we're, we're seeing with our sensors on the door that, you know, like tells us when the door is open and closed. And, you know, the same standard things that you would have in a home from ADT, we've seen that people are not spending much time in the home at all. Um, they're not using the home like a regular tenant would so that the home life span is longer and there's less wear and tear on the home. Yeah, so vac vacations are definitely more experiential and even business mm -hmm. travelers are using yep. vacation style yep. hospitality. Yep. Uh, it sounds like you are off to a great start, have a great process and uh, a clear vision of, of where you're going with the product. So uh, it all sounds very exciting. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into a few more personal questions outside of AKO. We'll be right back. 
The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MouthMediaSen, that's MouthMedia, S-E-N-N, at checkout. Keep up with the show on Instagram and Facebook at Real Estate Biz Show and with hashtag MouthMedia. Plus, check out all of the MouthMedia Network shows at MouthMediaNetwork.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. gotten a great intro into VKO the company, but we want to peel back a little bit and understand a little bit more about uh, you, Isabel, and you, Truth. Uh, so I'm going to pass it to Scott with our first personal question. Yeah, I'm always interested in origin stories, and Truth, in particular, let me start with you. You you made a couple of comments about growing up, your dad was literally laying bricks for your home to flipping homes when you were 15, studying physics at Columbia. Like, I'd love to hear more about the thread that's brought you to where you are today and how you got started in this world. Yeah, so I grew up in Nigeria where, you know, it's a developing country. And, you know, when you want something done, you really, you have to go find an expert at it and they come and they show you how to do it. And I've always been very curious. So, I would always just sit there and learn what they were doing. So, you know, I learned how to be a carpenter and how to make shoes and fix, you know, tube TVs and, you know, electrician and different things um, as a kid. But, you know, having a home was one that brought a lot of those things together. So from there, I would always just go around to the neighborhood and just help them just like, you know, lay bricks and, you know, I learned a lot about the trade of just housing. And then, like I said, with, with my dad, just taking so long to build his house, it was just always in my mind with real estate. And um, even when I was in college, I went to Ecuador and helped them build homes. And, you know, when we were building homes, everyone was like, hold on, where did you learn how to build homes? You know, because everybody else was just college students, like, you know, listening to the rules. And I'm like, no, do it like this and do it like that. And they're like, well, what were you doing before you went to college? But for me, it was kind of like that. And then, um, you know, so it was a difficult time there. Um, just being, you know, the economy and it just being difficult and, and rough. So it was hard to focus. But when I came to the U.S. at 13 with my little brother, um, I went to high school here and, you know, I, I, I graduated high school at 15. And then from then on, just kind of wanted to get a job. And that's when I got into um, house flipping, but also just spent a lot of time in the libraries reading about businesses um, and then I picked up a book that I really liked uh, again uh, as a kid, which was Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that kind of rekindled, you know, just my uh, view of how real estate is just a great, you know, tool to use to get passive income. But for, for me personally, it was just that, you know, journey of going from, you know, very unstable um, t- place and a, a economy to come to the U.S. where it's more stable um, and then, you know, from reading business book, I found um, that Warren Buffett went to Columbia and that's kind of where my interest was like, yeah, I want to go there because um, I didn't know what Columbia was or Ivy League or any of that stuff. But once I saw that he went, I was like, I just want to follow that path and went to Columbia, ended up working in Wall Street for a few years. And, you know, from there, after being in Wall Street, I just I've always been entrepreneurial and I just didn't like it there. I couldn't go at this slow pace. I just needed to 
do things and do them quickly. So I, I stepped out to do startups and, you know, I've done, you know, five brick and mortar businesses before, and this is my second tech, you know, venture. That's awesome. Isabel, was, was your emergence in this kind of real estate life as much of an inevitability for you from, from an early age? Um, I don't know if I would say it was inevitability. I definitely didn't grow up in the, the kind of, you know, um, circumstances is truth. So I, I'm from Long Island, Great Neck, where there's a lot of real estate families. So I just remember like kids like talking about their parents, like owning buildings and buying buildings and things like that. Um, and then, you know, my dad was a real estate attorney. So he did leasing, commercial leasing, but a lot of his friends owned residential buildings that many of them brought, bought in this, you know, in the seventies for next to nothing. And I saw them, you know, building this great wealth from it. So I was definitely very intrigued, you know, about, you know, how the city has, has changed so much and the areas are, you know, developing. And so I, I definitely had an interest and, you know, there was no lore to it. Um, but I, but it wasn't until, you know, we started this business that I became, you know, I loved the sharing economy. And so I think the marriage of the sharing economy and real estate was like really what got me going and, you know, more interested than ever. That's interesting. I'm, I'm really curious in that you mentioned earlier, you went through 500 startups accelerator, um, and even in our personal lives or personal questions, it's the relationships between founders and going through, especially something as dramatic as an accelerator program, how was that on your your relationship as a founding team? Well, our relationship as a founding team is a very unique one. Um, and, you know, we started out as roommate. Um, and, you know, from there, we, you know, are married and in a relationship and, you know, we have a family. So it's, it's one where... I think of it in the sense of, you know, just trying to have this harmony um, of, of everything that we do where we just really um, get in the weeds and focus on what we are trying to accomplish and and try not to try to keep, you know, a, a balance, you know, where you're just all in all times um, and just prioritize. And that's kind of how we we approach it. So, you know, an accelerator, it's like, okay, we have we, to now travel zero and deal balance, with it. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no separation between work and life at all. And that's what we've been doing. And I think that in a weird way, like, when people say, like, they met their founder somewhere or at a conference or whatever, I think in a weird way, it is kind of ideal for a startup because it's like you're literally, you know, it's your baby. You're raising something together. So it's, it's challenging to work with a, you know, a a spouse but at the same time it for a startup there's like you know it really lets you focus in you know yeah they, access that person whenever yeah they say you're married yeah. to your co-founder and it's like yeah. you know there's nothing wrong <laughs> might with as well that. actually <laughs> I mean, did you did you think about starting this together and kind of intentionally starting a business as as a couple or did it just evolve in a way that now that's all you know it's all our it, fault it's, <laughs> me yeah what, Someone's in trouble. No, because of the yeah, and you yeah, know, the I room. mean, I think yeah. in a way because I really did not like my job and I hated corporate America. I was just desperate to leave. I felt like I was chained to my desk, 
And, you know, we just saw this opportunity to have this supplemental income. So then when the business started growing and I could jump ship and I and I could leave my corporate job, I was just like all about it. Yeah. So I think that I just wasn't cut out for I, not, I won't say cut out, but I just yeah, I, I really couldn't thrive in a very hierarchical, hierarchical, structured environment. I just thrive kind of being my own boss and, you know, I'm willing to work hard, but I could like want to work at like 11 o'clock and when it's like, and then, you know, in corporate America, it's like you have to be there at 8 a.m. every day. And I don't really thrive in that kind of structured environment. Yeah. And I mean, it's, so, you know, it started when we, I was, you know, we're thinking, uh, I, I was doing my other um, tech startup and was planning to buy a property in Florida and, you know, be a landlord, um, which is kind of like anti what we're doing now. Uh, and Isabel was like, why do you have to go, you know, to Florida and start with a home? Why don't we just start with this room that we had? And that's, you know, how it started. It's, all her, it's all her fault. It, yeah, it's all, it's all her fault. fault yeah, know? well, I moved out of my room into his room because we started dating. <laughs> and then we had this room. And so that became the Airbnb room. Our, that became our business. Yeah, like, that was the first Airbnb room. That's what first worked, that worked, worked out, though. Yeah. yeah. Several yeah. regards. Yeah, it's it's been interesting all, all the way. Since then, we've had, you know, models, supermodels and senators and, you know, oh di diplomats and all kinds of people, you know, stay yeah. with us in the early days yeah. because, you know, we were starting out. Airbnb was exciting, even though we had done couch surfing before Airbnb was a thing. Um, but, you know, everyone was really excited and they were just trying it out. And we're like, why are you doing this? You clearly could buy all island. And they're like, yeah, I just want to try it, and it's cool. And people would want to meet people. I remember yeah. asking the supermodel, Anouk. I mean, she was gorgeous. I couldn't believe when she walked out. I'm like, that's our guest. <laughs> and she said she just wants to meet people. Like, it's being a model is alienating and lonely. So I think that like Airbnb filled that void for people because I was like, you could afford like way better than or law. Like we, I'm pretty Carlton, sure you like, own an apartment in the city. Yeah, or something. Like, yeah. You know, didn't matter. I'm, I'm it was to, not what she was looking for. I'll have to tell my single friends to start renting out their extra room <laughs> right <laughs> hey we had people who did that too what was our, one of our first guests or second guests mm -hmm. you know she's a german lady and yeah, she just yeah. airbnbs to find like dates and you know <laughs> yeah right. so people Perhaps are that's doing why the that. senator is also <laughs> right oh, of course <laughs> so we'll, people we'll, people are doing that we'll keep him nameless right <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a, a great conversation and we'd like to give you know, all of our guests an opportunity to, you know, share something with everyone listening, um, like a final special thought, if you will. Um, what would you like to share with everyone? For me, I would just like to share that I'm really excited about like the future of living and, you know, uh, thinking about the impact of, uh, of artificial intelligence. And, you know, for, for us, I see, real estate as somewhat of like a basic income in the future where, you know, some states are already um, implementing this. Uh, if you think of Indiana, Ohio, Nebraska, um, recently now they're using housing to lure people to come back into the state. They're actually doing it for employment, but I feel like that's going to be, that's the beginning of what would be everyone gets some piece of land or welfare. And, you know, we just, work out and drink protein shake or something like that. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of, you know, excited about something like that, you know, real estate being involved in that. Outside of that, I'm excited to like, 
you know, manage property in Mars or something like that, you know, with, you know, Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos leading the charge there. So that's that's where we're trying to take this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're happy to make introductions for, we know a few people that are interested in Mars. Nice. <laughs> um, and Isabella, anything uh, you'd like to share other than it's not your fault? <laughs> oh, right. Um, I'd like to share that I think with, you know, startup in general, like people, you know, obviously it's extremely time consuming and extremely um, demanding, but I was able to do it, you know, with my roommate, then husband, you know, with two small children that I'm raising. And in a way, I think it is like the ideal career, if you could even call it that, or calling for a, for a parent because you have total flexibility over your time. And I think that, you know, if you can find something that you really love that can also be lucrative, it's kind of like it's it's the ideal situation. And I think real estate, you know, there's so much room for disruption and innovation in real estate. You know, it's such a fragmented market. And um, I think it can be intimidating to get into. But if you can find a niche, there's so much opportunity. And, and I and I think it's, you know, it's exciting that we're able to help so many people. Um, from all different walks of life um, who have property and, and, and really need us. So those are my final thoughts. And I'd love to expand internationally. I don't know about Mars. I'm not <laughs> thinking that far. I'm thinking more Mexico. You know, I'm thinking helping people with their timeshares. I'm getting a ton of requests from people who got locked into timeshares that they never use. And they were like, can we vacayo this? So there could be more things that we vacayo down the road, you know, even though we're sort of focused on single family homes right now. First Miami, then Mexico. It's just a step away to Mars. It's just a step I away. I, I think way, way into the future. Right. When I'm gone and, you know, passing, you know, the idea to somebody else. And then I bring it back and start executing and and have that fire behind my back, knowing that there's not enough time. And for, you know, those listening that are super hosts and or landlords, how can they connect uh, with Vikeo? Yeah, so the easiest way, you know, vacator.com slash host for host. Um, and they can just, you know, in a quick system, put their, their name and go through our system. For landlord, it's just vacator.com. And they can put in their address and, you know, just go add their own to our system, even if we're not in their area. Besides of that, you know, we're on our Facebook page, you know, Facebook slash vacator tech. Um, we're on Twitter. We're we're on all this social media platform because that's kind of our way to reach out to them without really using every marketing today. But we get a lot of, you know, word of mouth, and we would love we love talking to landlords. Great. Well, we wish you uh, continued success, uh, and to everyone listening today, thank you as always for listening and for Scott. Bye, everyone. I'm Tom, and real estate is your business. You've been listening to Real Estate Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show or to become a sponsor, email us at realestatebizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Real Estate Biz Show. That's Real Estate B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by Preview. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.
This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.